Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at huntworthgear.com. This podcast was a super fun one. Uh, a couple weeks back, we were up at Osalva River Outfitters uh, for the Deer Hunter Collective, the guys from the Deer Hunter podcast, the guys from Michigan Gone Wild, the guys from the fair chase and you can check out the first half the first third of this podcast uh over on the fair chase they put it out last week and so this is the follow-on to that and it's john frank myself uh kevin from the deer hunter podcast and the fellows from the fair chase going over um some of the early turkey hunting stuff, we talk about the, the new deer regulations in Michigan, um, and then tack prep. Um, so there's a bunch of guys who've never been up there, uh, had questions. We talk about third access, um, getting your bow set up, um, all that stuff. But uh, with that many personalities all in the same place and some questions from the crowd, crowd interaction, uh, super fun. So the audio on this one came from Kevin, um, all sent over as one single track uh so we just uh edited it down and and plugged it in here but it is really cool um when something like this pops up again as it surely will um definitely try and make it a part uh, a point to be there so happy we could be a part of this and you know getting to meet you know some of the patreons uh some of the other listeners people that we interact with online um, it's always good to do that stuff uh, in person and so for anybody going up to the total archery challenge we're getting that stuff uh, i just got a new string um, uh, built my arrows from the guys over at zinger and kanadi um, getting ready to 
build that setup and try to uh, build the tape to shoot for the truck uh, like we do every year. But that's just a great opportunity to, you know, have a beer, have a, have a soda, have a meal uh, with some of the guys that you talk to uh, online, some of the, the, the people that you listen to on the podcast. Uh, anytime that one of these events shows up, there's the Mobile Hunters Roadshow coming up in Kalamazoo, um, that type of stuff. There's the one in Tennessee as well. Try to make it out to those and, and, and see some of these people and see that all this stuff, all this interacting that we do online, you know, we see a lot of the negative stuff, but seeing these people in person, um, it's very easy to have difficult conversations when you're in front of somebody and you can see body language and tense, you know, everything that surrounds it, um, just really, uh, is beneficial to do that. Um, and then, you know, a lot of these, you know, there's partners, you know, Kevin and the guys up at, uh, Jordan and the guys up at the Osalba river outfitters were just amazing. Um, uh, if you're up in that area, definitely check them out. But, you know, with the guys that sp- sponsor this podcast, like, you know, Latitude, the Huntworth, um, guys, the Jared from Vitalize Seed, um, the, the Zinger guys for sure. Um, you know, a lot of these guys are at those types of events. So you can go and ask questions about the pro- the products and, and all that. And then we actually picked up a, a, another sponsor here. Um, Austin from Genesis 3D Printing reached out to us and said, hey, we're, we're trying to grow. Uh, we're trying to get more awareness, trying to get the word out about some of the products that we've got coming up. And uh, we love what you're doing with the Patreon and that sort of stuff. Would you guys be interested in, um, you know, helping us out with that? And, you know, of course, Austin is local to us. He puts on an event. I believe that's going to be the last weekend in August um, this year. Uh, but again, a lot of these people and a lot of these, um, you know, guys that we have on the podcast, you know, they go to these events too. Um, so you can just, it's just a good, good experience to go and, you know, meet people, network and talk hunting and, and, you know, kind of detach from the, the world, uh, out there and all the, the negativity, even that we see within the hunting community online. Like when you get, you get together in an environment like that, it's just a great thing. So um, definitely, if you get a chance to go to one of these events, certainly do it. The third iteration of this podcast, the follow-on with the Michigan Gone Wild guys, um, is going to be dropping probably this Friday, if not this Friday, next Friday, uh, at the Deer Hunter podcast. So that'll be the third um, episode in the final episode in this series. But it was a ton of fun. Thank you so much for the invite. Um, I know you guys are going to be uh, interested in this. Uh, it's fun listening to Uncle Frank and the old school turkey hunting stories. And then, you know, his recount from any of the total archery challenges and how he views it um, as a 70-year-old man. Um, you know, if he can do it, you guys can certainly do it too. Um, but it along with that, if you're interested in any of the stuff, um, about becoming a Patreon or any of that stuff and like what that entails, you know, we've got giveaways from all of those companies, um, that we mentioned, uh, big shot after they were just on the podcast, uh, came out with a, uh, discount code, uh, BCP for 10% off on any of their targets and, uh, Spartan Forge, our code bow hunter is basically, 
the cheapest you're going to find it, 25% off. You just got to go to SpartanForge.ai, um, and that does help us out too. So if you guys are on the fence about that, you can go check them out at SpartanForge.ai and use that code. But we just gave away, you know, sticks from Latitude, a set from Huntworth, uh, Kanadi arrows, all that stuff, and it's like... 17 cents a day 33 cents a day something depending on you know how much support you want to give us but we appreciate it and we make sure we give back as much as we can um but if not if if the money that you would give to us for the show is going to take away from you going to one of these events um go to the event come see us at the event come come up to tack uh come to the barbecue uh definitely do that because we'd love to hang out and and meet you guys in person. But you guys are going to love this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy. Two forty-five. We're back, up and running. That was a kind of confirmation that the beer's being picked up. All right. It's a good sign. That's a good sign. So they'll just uh, they'll ask that. So what we're going to do is when we go to watch these guys film, we'll, I'll have a cooler full of beer. We can all get into some beers. They'll just ask that you don't take any beer inside the store until 6 o'clock the store closes. <coughs> then you guys can go and free. But the, it's kind of like the rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. Everybody <laughs> get, it, it, make it sure to drive. It loosens you up a little bit, you know. <laughs> Steadies the nerves. Settles the limbs. That's yeah. Right. We'll set up the course for that e-bike. Who, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who can shotgun the most beers and draw this bow with no arrow in it, right? <laughs> while, while riding an e-bike. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Real quick, we're just going to uh, – Jordan gave these to me. They're, uh, they're, there's 20 here, $20 gift cards. Just as a thank you for you, and we're, what we'll do is we'll just raffle them off. There's 20 of them here. We'll go through them uh, real quick. Shit, I don't know. You want to draw and hand to me, and I'll read it off. And you guys, uh, if everybody's got their got their tickets, I'm gonna throw that one back in. Well, <laughs> I got a four nine two zero four eight. Four nine two zero four eight. There it is. Bingo. 20 bucks. Here you go. Fight over it. Yeah. <laughs> like at the Badlands Film Festival. Yeah, they're just chucking stuff. Yeah. yeah. Throwing it. how they do it. Through yeah. a, c- a cell cam. <laughs> you just got to catch it, man, and you're fine. <laughs> 492052. Bingo. Oh, he was red. He had that memorized. He didn't even look at his. <laughs> he jumped up fast. Let me verify he that. He could have just. On, yeah, I was going to say he jumped up real fast. Yeah, uh, yeah it checks cool. out. These are all zeros. Yeah. He he wrote it out with a pen. <laughs> Four nine two zero five one. Hot dog. Wow, that, that's a hot row. Twenty right there. bucks mm-hmm. richer. Mm-hmm. Don't say we didn't ever give you nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we didn't. Osabo <laughs> River Outfitters. We handed did, it so. to you though. <laughs> yeah, we did. That was tough. You be sure. Vanna White for us? Because I don't think Vanna White's hands anything out. I think she just points. <laughs> yeah. We got a four nine two zero four zero. <coughs> oh no no no! no that's no, gas money no, to no, Wisconsin. No. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, he's a good customer. I got a four nine two zero seven one. Oh, that is a hot roll. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
That seems weird. Maybe dig around there a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we got four nine two zero four nine. Oh, so right up in front. Nice. More hand warmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More hand warmers. You could buy a lot with twenty bucks. Yeah. Be hand warmer rich. Yeah. We got sweet. four nine two zero four seven. No, oh, come on, <laughs> Stop the steal. <laughs> I stopped this. <laughs> That's great. Jeez. Get it together, guys. Told sorry. you were going to be on FBI I'm list. sorry. I'm sorry. It's funny, though. You hope. Exactly. 49. It's not funny, actually. Yeah, it's unfortunate. 4920058. Yeah, it's not been funny. <laughs> there I'm eight. There he is. Ha, ha, ha. I got 492043. Bingo. Should I, when I publish the I podcast, should I include the? Or this is, seems people like want to hear this, man. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I got four nine two zero seven eight. Oh yes. Oh, not you. Uh, that doesn't count. Must be present. No, he's not here. No. Well, you looks like you got it. Sucks to suck. We're on the honor system here. <laughs> Timing was poor. Mm-hmm. Yours now. We all, we we kind of know it's going to be yours, uh, anyways, yeah. right? <coughs> We've been through this. Four nine two zero five zero. Mm. Oh, all right. Four nine two zero seven zero. It's my lucky number. I'm enjoying doing this more <laughs> than I thought I was gonna. It's like Santa Claus, kind of. Four nine two zero five nine. Same row. Same row. Same group. The trick is you crumple it a little bit so when people reach in there, they feel that little extra texture. That's how you get drawn. That makes sense. Yeah. I've yeah. won so many fucking guns that way. Really? Yeah, I'm oh, yeah. serious. You just put the tickets in. Hey. <laughs> yeah, that's your problem. You'll never win. <laughs> yeah. 492041. There we go. little diversity in the room there now. There you go. That yeah. back row. Yeah. The yeah. They need some more better representation. <laughs> Four nine two zero five four. How many you got left there, Jordan? Five. I think you throw them. <laughs> kind <laughs> of a fight situation. <laughs> Strong survival of the fittest type of deal. Four nine two zero five three. I call hey. Frank as the referee, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think anything goes if he's the referee. <laughs> actually, <laughs> bathrobe, no underwear. robe. That's right. As long as underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Four nine two zero seven six. There we go. What are you gonna spend it on back there? You won. Beef jerky. <laughs> Beef jerky. <laughs> okay. Okay. We got four nine two zero three nine. Final. Four nine two zero six six. Wow! And the last—that's the last draw, right? Last draw, yeah. Nice. So, uh, who here drove the farthest? Or Wisconsin. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. <laughs> who drove over three hours? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
Well, actually, I rode. Didn't you guys say you came from St. Clair Shores? Yeah, it was like three hours. Yeah, it was 248, I think. Okay. Oh, he's got, he's probably got you beat. He's from Tecumseh. He's he's further south than you, I'd say, right? Hey, get Tecum- on the Google Maps if you need, really. <laughs> All right, he gets Bingo. It. Hey. hey. All, right. All right. Thank you for making the drive. Really Appreciate nice. it. Especially in the snow. We'll get you an honorable mention for second place. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have something else, Jordan? Yeah. Hey, uh, Kevin, Jordan's. Uh, Yeah, for everybody who knows, this is Jordan Susowitz. He uh, helps operate the store, and he's also a professional by all definition, producer, camera, man. Uh, he helped, yeah. helped me with the film. You see him taking some photos here today. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, guys. Hope you And I don't know why Russell, 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 why do you got, what's the suit? You look good. What's with the suit? You look like it. <laughs> Interesting. You did tell me you bought a new suit. We, last time we hung that out, he good, told man. us he bought us a new That's suit. That's a good looking suit. Yeah. Just a regular Saturday, I got a suit. My, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> not a bad move, honestly. Not a, he's not what are you doing proper, today? You know? I'm put on my new suit yeah. and walk down to the... You just got to go where a, pl- a high-vis situation so you can really get maximum. First impressions know. can be deceptive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Buy a suit. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get this thing right back on the rails. So maybe we'll see. I don't know. The rails are, might take an in- interesting <laughs> pattern here this afternoon. But we said when we were uh, summer or hanging up on the last section and getting into this that we were going to go into specifically what uh, the new management system the check-in is that where you will you yeah. Just, yeah and you just recently had chad stewart on which i thought was a great conversation i think i quote alvin that he's probably got uh chad stewart's <coughs> probably got one of the most one of the most it sounds like a great job at face value but it's got to be just the absolute nightmare right i don't know if anybody caught him on michigan outdoors recently but jimmy kind of grilled him and it was pretty funny I got a good laugh out of that, but you had him on. Maybe that's a good place to start. I'll let you kind of guide it how you want, but this is the first year that we've had mandatory check-in, which we feel like the state's probably going to get, not probably, right? They're going to get much better data than what they have in the past, and that's they're going to base all their decisions off of that. Yeah, I mean, so he was very, I don't know, like the politically correct answers when I was asking him, like, hey, you know, what are you going to do with this information? How do you think it uh, compares to like your uh, estimates from your surveys and all that stuff? And he's like, well, you know, obviously surveys are down, but we think our information is great. Well, you get him off the podcast and he's like, yeah, well, I have obviously some different sort of thoughts on that, but like, 
yeah, I have to be on the record. He did say off this. the record. He he said literally on the record. Off the record, I'll tell you something. And I was like, yeah, you don't really say that on the record. That <laughs> yeah, really, really spells out where your head's at. Yeah. But Chad, Chad, Chad's a really great guy. He's an honest guy from from my uh, you know workings with him. That from the best that I can tell. So yeah, he had some pretty valuable information. And yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it like since we first started hunting Ohio, where that was our first real. Um, experience of like having to check in a deer and like having real time and i think that was what five or six years ago and we were like why doesn't michigan have that and like you can go back and listen to one of our podcasts i told chad right on the podcast i'm like you will hear every bad thing that we think about michigan and i'm sure you hear it like every day um kind of like your point that that's a terrible job um, to have seems like it's great but i mean so frank was kind of putting it to you guys like what did you think um, of the new uh, registration system and, like, how do you think it's going to affect it? You know, I, I think from social media and, like, the people who listen to our podcast and the, and the talks that we've had, the thing that people were most worried about was that damn pin, like, yeah. dropping the yeah. pin. Like, I don't want people to see where my spot is. Is this going to be public record? You know, how can they look at this? And it's like, you know, if you ever went and checked in in one of the CWD zones or something, like, they have a plot book where you're supposed to put, like, a pencil mark on there that yeah. says this is where it's at. So, like, what was your guys's take on it? I don't know if it's unpopular or not, but it felt like I, – it seems like if – I'm fine with it. It doesn't bother me. Like – I'll probably put a pin down. I'm not really worried about the state. What, what is, is the worry like they're going to sell or get rid of? The, like, what are they going to do with the data that is bad for me? That's what I don't understand. Well, so like apps like, um, you know, hunt, I don't know, you guys are hunt wise, hunt wise yeah. right? Or like Spartan Forge or whatever. Like yeah. any public record, like that's where they pull their information for all this data. So if that ends up being like, quote unquote, public record, now you could actually requisition that mm-hmm. and... Now you could say, okay, here's where. Is that like a FOIA? Re- can you do a FOIA request on pins? That'd be uh, well, Freedom said, of Information Act. He, That'd be he, pretty. He actually specifically. It really? Okay. That's what it is. Okay. That he, makes sense. He actually, Chad, specifically brought that up that that data was was unable to be accessed through that. Uh, they can shield it from a FOIA request? Because they there's uh, some sort of thing where he says. That thing specifically. You can, you can say like county. But whatever degree that information is, it, it is um, exempt top, from that. Top secret. Interesting. Only Chad has it. Yeah, yeah double O <laughs> agents and stuff, yeah. yeah. But that, that seems to be, like, what everybody was concerned about. And yeah. these apps, I mean, think about, like. I get it, yeah. If you could have Andy May's pins, right, or if you could have, like. He, if he could have my pins. Yeah, you can have mine. <laughs> if he wanted mine, which he probably does, I wouldn't give it to him. No, I get it. I do. I don't know. I, you want best information to have best laws like we get we do complain a lot about different laws that are put into place that don't reflect what we see this seems like it'd be helpful for on the ground information but yeah that that, that get put, putting a pin on the map i can see why that is a hard thing to do i don't know like, i guess i missed why it became such a topic because it's not mandatory oh and i wouldn't do that i don't want i just don't want to release that information i mean i'm super secretive about how and where I'm going. So, so pin, the pin is not mandatory, if I understand. It's completely unmandatory. You have to yep. just say county. Yeah. You could put it put it on the DNR building in Lansing. That's what I did. There's <laughs> <laughs> great bucks around. Yeah, they're like, wow, who put, shot three deer in the office? Yeah, but, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a good spot. Yeah, but I guess if if you're worried where where people are watching where you go, do it. Load them up. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're going to get a lot. Yeah. <laughs> if you're worried about where people know that you are. Like, Lead by example. That's you're right. already doing that with your smartphone. Every time you have your location service on, they do Google know knows where exactly are. where you are. So your, your information is already getting out there. It's a good point. You know, it's, I know it's a caveat. Like, it's, we're going down a rabbit hole that way, but. But we're thinking we're not giving it to them specifically for where we're targeting big bucks. Yeah. And that scares They're going to know at, true. At, between the hours of, like, 6 and 12. But that's the thing you just do on weekends. You don't need to do it. So, and, and I understand yeah. at first when that came out, because I was talking with a neighbor, and he said, yeah, you gotta, you got to put a drop of pin to where you shot your deer. And I said, that's not real. And uh, he, he said, no, yeah, it's real. And then I found out it was real. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. I don't want to participate in that. And they're like, you don't have to. And I was like, good, I won't. Yeah. So you just say county. And then you can choose county. whether or that's not. That's all you have to do. Oh, then I, yeah. got no, I ain't got no problem with that. Nope. No. So what do so. you think about the actual, like, getting of the information? Like, do you think that we're going in a step in the right direction? For having like it through the, the phone? Yeah. Man, it was. It's weird that there's a lot of states that require it. Like yeah. you, you know, you know, um, and it seems like the most pain-free way to do it. Sometimes just calling in is easier too. We've done that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I'm all for better reporting, yeah. right? Because there is everybody in here has their own opinion on how Michigan is managing the deer herd, right? And we all have our ideas based on some survey. So. You know, you've received a survey, you haven't received a survey, you, you've, whether you've received it or not, did you send it back? Mm-hmm. Was it truthful? All of that nope. sort of information. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's probably the consensus and that's what they're seeing. So I would rather that they had correct information to make decisions. And so on that podcast, that was like, I'm like, who's making these decisions? Like, you obviously have information that you want to, or your own opinion you want to tell me off the record. Yeah. Right? So who's actually making the decisions? Well, it's the NRC. And so then that went into, you know, are there lobbyists who's, you know, who's behind all of it? And he was pretty transparent in saying that, you know, there are lobbyists. Does he see any sort of issue? He's like, I haven't seen anybody, like, handing out money or these guys, like, really putting in anything, you know, that wouldn't be, like, above board. But at the same time, like the guys that are on the ground hunting like us that are, you know, spending our hard earned money to go to other states where we think there's better buck to doe ratio or it's being managed better based on actual reporting. Exactly. Um, and and we're, if, if money is the issue, no one is coming to Michigan saying, man, this is a great big buck state, no matter how much Kevin Vistason thinks that two buck opportunities is great. Yeah, that's right. Right. <laughs> Classic Kevin, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, for me, I would rather that, you know, I, will, th- I would say that we have to give our, do our part in reporting our harvest so that we can know actually how many deer are being harvested yeah. in, and in what areas. Because, I mean, it seems like there's deer everywhere, and, but not the deer that we want. So right. how, do you, how do you do that? That's what the biologist's jobs are. But if we're not giving them the correct information, then You're it's just, just operating we're on just a lot guessing, of assumptions, yeah. Right? Yeah. So you're the one that brought it up. What do you think? Well, since we've hunted Ohio and stuff, I, I agree. You know, I, I like it. You know, I like to be able to, and, and you report you report the deer you kill, you know what I mean? And they have an absolute record, you know, to the to the township down there, you know, where you shot it, how you shot it, when you shot it. So, and we asked the questions to a couple guys here in Michigan before, you know, and he said, well, we get our information from surveys and, and the processors. And how many of you guys process your own deer? 
Right. Okay, that's exactly my point. How many people had a survey? You know, so nobody's taking the deer to the process. No. So that's bullshit, you know. <laughs> right. It, so I just asked them, how many people have had a survey? I've been hunting 37 years. I've had zero. One. And how many years you hunted? still one in ten yeah you know what kind of information is that really giving them right you know it it didn't seem it didn't seem like it was it was very good info as far as i was concerned you know so that's why you know yeah Right. Oh, that makes sense. You get into the algorithm. This guy doesn't use it as a fire starter. (laughs) Well, I have, I have got like fall turkeys and stuff like that. Like I do get, I do get those because that's it's more of a it's a it's more specific, you know, especially like for trapping and beavers, you know. But like the deer survey, how many how many licenses are you know sent out? You know how many licenses are bought in the state of Michigan? You know. Right. Have you ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of food plot seed mixes out there? Well, you are not alone. And Vitalized Seed has developed a seed program that takes the guesswork out of food plotting. Vitalized Seed has two core mixes, the Nitro Boost and Carbon Load, to keep it simple. Nitro Boost is their spring-summer food plot mix, and Carbon Load is the fall plot mix, each having a diverse mix of over a dozen different seed types that are highly attractive to whitetail. Food plotting made simple, but it gets even better. Each mix provides necessary nutrients to the soil, making for better plots each season and saving you money by needing less Roundup and less fertilizer each season. The 1-2 system simplifies your food plots just how nature intended. Vitalize Seed. Make biology work for you. Order now at vitalizeseed.com. Right, so that it's it's going to be a it's going to be better data. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so you, you had data at one point recently. I saw that on a page somewhere. I can't remember where it was now. But the information on this past year's deer season was out. I did read it. I can't remember. Well, a lot of it was in real time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you can follow antlerless uh, antler deer. Yeah, it was real interesting to pay attention to. You know, I I just think I don't know how you can make. I don't know how you can make really good decisions if you don't have a, the best information. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's like, to me, it just seems like, man, they were way behind the time. Like, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Right. Now, at least they, I mean, at least now we can criticize them and say, well, we can even see the numbers and know you guys <laughs> suck at your job. It's you harder know? to hide now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it it does just, account more, more accountability, yeah. more transparency, ideally. Right. Uh, Until they get in there. Until they, they mess around <laughs> with something, man. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. But overall, I just yeah, I don't see how you're going to manage a quality deer herd without having you know knowing the knowing the actual data, right? So hopefully this is a tool that uh, they don't abuse, that they use wisely, and then we'll see here in the next couple of years. Really, I mean everybody's got to pay attention big time the next couple of years, you know, because uh, they could do us a whole lot of favors with this information, or they could do what they do and do a bunch of stupid shit i don't know <laughs> so but these next couple of years will definitely be worth paying close attention to because there's they won't have any more excuses 
really, in my um, in my opinion, as far as the state goes, they should have way better information than they have right. historically. Yeah. So if we want to get on track here. With Was there working, anything, yeah. because I feel like this is uh, important, is there anything anybody wants to add before we move off of this? I think, oh, yeah. I like that. Oh, yeah. Liars. I actually put the pin. I thought you had to. I did, too. <laughs> you don't have to. You can just totally that. skip right by that. Let's follow. If you read the instructions. Were you doing it through the app or through the website? Mine's through the app. Did it through the app? No, yeah, I, I, I fix it. Uh, both times I did it, I did it through my phone, but I think I just did it through their web browser, and uh, I did not have to do that. And I and I did seriously shoot two doe, and they look like they got shot in downtown Lansing. Yeah, Lake Bucks, man. Highway bucks. Yeah, highway bucks. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Good to know. Okay, great. Awesome. Good input. <laughs> Thoroughly handled that one. Nailed it. Like true professionals. Yep. So for uh, the questions that we had had uh, from our side here is the uh, – like Kevin had said, with tack and some, some turkey hunting. And so these turkey hunting questions, like as we just have very clearly outlined, we're not biologists. <laughs> from the last. How many people turkey hunt? Pretty, m- pretty much majority. It's great. So the first couple of questions on here are like, are the numbers up or down or does Michigan manage well for turkeys? And I think, for John and Frank, I think you guys should talk about like when you first started turkey hunting and like huh. what the population was at that time to to where it is now. Well, so obviously Frank started turkey hunting before me. I was, I mean, I started turkey hunting, I think at twelve when I when I turned twelve, I could start turkey hunting. And I remember back then it was we'd put in for a tag, and if we got it, then we'd have to drive drive all the way up to like Baldwin area from where like there was no turkeys around. So they were just secluded pockets. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. And it was all northern. Uh, yeah, like I remember them being up there before. Yep. I remember them being down but, state. But yeah. So then, then it got to the point where, like, they're in my backyard in the feeder. <sighs> like you know, I mean, it was it got super the, fast, real <laughs> recent. Yeah, right? it came. It, we're talking in the last twenty years, right? Yeah, yep. So has anybody hunted out of state for turkeys? What what states? And how many turkeys can you shoot in each of those states? One. Okay. Because I know there's some that are like out east where you can shoot multiple birds. I think Tennessee, you can shoot a bunch of birds. Uh, Florida, you can shoot a bunch of birds. And it's hard for us like to look like where we live. There's a right across from Frank's house. There's a flock of like a hundred turkeys. Like, it, like every day they're there. They roost. You can see them. Everywhere we go, there's turkeys. Like, you can't not see turkeys over, like, on our side of the state. So it's hard to say that, like, we manage for turkeys well. And you have leftover tags, right, Mm. that 
go unfilled and it's like why can't you do the same thing with deer and buy a leftover tag so it, but that's another one of those things where talking with like chad and people from the nrc like you have to put in a requisition to you know get that put into law and i don't think turkey has the same like pull around here as it does in the south yep. like i don't think anybody cares really that much about turkeys or you don't turkey see hunting. a lot of turkey hunters like you do deer hunters around here like it's not a busy woods at that time of year it is for us like is it not, the, oh, yeah. man i don't ever see people it's us. increased a lot i think yeah. just huh. even in the past couple years it's increased yeah. quite a bit interesting yeah so, I think a lot of that's driven, honestly, by social media. Thanks people, a lot, guys. Yeah, for people that. being <laughs> out there and doing it. Yeah, smash that subscribe button. That's, that's right. What would Matt Ranella have to say about that? Yeah, he'd be he'd be he'd be upset. <clears throat> Frankly, he might have rights to be. Yeah, because we're now could be onto something. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've heard uh, from multiple people that that was a question. They've on seen here, increase by the way. in pressure in turkey hunting. But we didn't get to it. That is a question at some point for you. What did Matt Ranella think? Did he change your the way you think? So at some oh. point when you're going, don't sure. But, like, er, in the early days, what were the turkey hunting numbers, at least for hunters, and then t to what you're seeing today, Frank? Well, they, they only allowed so many permits, you know, and I can't remember what the numbers were, but it was small. And then, like I say, we, we'd drive, we're on the way up here, we were talking, we'd drive three, 350 miles a day to hunt, you know. Our, our, that was our day. And if you got a bird to gobble or, or saw some turkeys, you know, or found some tracks, you were, you were doing good, you know. And, and now it's just like, you know, I have to stop, you know, <laughs> let them cross the road, you know, blow yeah. the horn, they gobble, hey, how's it going, Frank? You know, it's like, you know, every day it's like that, you know. Yeah. When we first started, we had, there was a cutoff, too. We couldn't hunt. Yeah, after you, could, like, you could only hunt till, till like uh, noon, noon or yeah. 1 o'clock. Yeah. I remember that, like that, and it's still that way in some states, it right? Is. It is, it is. Yep. You couldn't. Yeah. So then we'd go put them to bed, you know, like roosting. Right. Like. That's, so, that's kind of fun to do. Yeah. So that's one of the questions that's on here is like how do you go about locating turkeys like when i mean obviously we've we've said okay there's turkeys everywhere um they're so easy to find but a lot of these are like yard birds or birds that are just around your house so like when you're going out on public land like i mean we still do it today like sometimes we take the low hanging fruit and shoot the really easy ones but like when we're <laughs> when, you're, <laughs> when, when, you're, when you're going to 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 locate birds like what are you looking for well, I mean, obviously there has to be birds in the area, you know what I mean? But if you're, if, you're, if you're looking for them, you know, at night or in the evenings, you know, you just, we used to blow the owl hooters and stuff like that, you know. And, crow calls. You know, crow calls. And, uh, but I've done, I've done some things, you know, that are <laughs> ordinary. No, I, I, you know, I mean, because a lot of times, you know, like what used to happen because there wasn't that many birds, you know, you, you blow an owl hooter and that turkey's over there going, you're yep. not going to do it. Yeah. You're not going to gobble, you know. I mean, because you got 10 guys blowing owl hooters, you know. So, I got an air horn. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Shock. Shock gobbles, you know what I mean? You guys ready? <laughs> you know, I used to hit them with that, you know. It worked for a while, you know. Then there was, everybody had air horns, you know. So, you can't use them all the time. <laughs> so slamming a car door. Car, door, car doors, yeah. you know, and, and, and here's the thing, too. You know, we used to, it happened to us a lot of times. You know, we'd get out of the car, bang, slam the door, turkey gobbles. Everybody, get your shit and run. You know, get over here, you know. The next thing you know, you're calling the turkey. He's strutting around your car. 
<laughs> you know, he's over there and going like, why in the hell did we ever do that? We could have laid down underneath it, you know. But they, they're just, today, they, you know, they do so many weird things, you know. Or if but, you called, or if you got out of the car and tried to locate him with the call. Oh, yeah. That's oh, really, that's when, bad. Then they're you know, to the car. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All the time. So, James, like, what do you guys do as far as, like, locating birds, say, out on public? I'm going to go like with air horn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> air horn guys? I'm going to just guess. <laughs> They're lightweight, you know. Yeah, we, uh, we, we just were, were just talking about this. I mean, it's the same type of deal. Look for where they're roosting. You know, we seem to find them in hilly areas, especially with the, some water nearby. You cut them off between there and food. Look for a strut zone. When you find, like, a good strut zone. Yeah. Man, we got one that what's literally. A strut yeah, what's zone? a strut zone? Uh, Jared, <laughs> the technical definition is. Jared. Oh man! So what we found a strut zone is it's basically where Tom's going to go, and he's just going to sit there and strut probably around when he comes out in the morning. Well, like to do no, the turkeys. I mean, they'll flock up in the morning when they come off the roost and they'll feed. But then after the hens start making their way back to their nest, all these horny toms are going to be like, "Well, we want to keep breeding," so they're going to go to the most. It's going to be a secluded area. It's going to be away from harm. But it's going to be a place where they can sit maybe in the sunlight and just sit there and strut. And if you can find these places, you will consistently get turkeys almost every time. Like a, just like a little, like almost like a, not a Like bench. an old logging road. Well, a logging yeah, that's road. That's a good strut zone. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We found one that's like we were, we were talking about on the way here that it's such a good predictable spot. It's on public land. Yeah. And it, but they're always strutting there. Like the, every year it's, it's like a you historic can find them. spot. Yep. They want to be seen. Yeah, yes, exactly. Right. exactly. That, they want to be seen, 100%. Like, like a tall, mature woods where you can see almost like 200 yards. Like if mm-hmm. he gobbles, if he hears a hen and he gobbles off, he wants that hen to be able to see wow. her. So it's yeah. like those type of areas. It could be very secluded. Um, but, again, it's got to be open so that other turkeys can see them and they can see them. And so how would you identify that? Like, like let's – I mean, you go, you get your morning set up, sure. right? You call – you get some answers, then the birds move off or, or whatever. You're not yeah. getting any response. They're hand up. You're, well, but it, like let's say that you heard some gobbles like off the roost, and mm-hmm. then obviously they've, they're down now. You maybe heard a, a gobble as soon as they hit the ground, and then you know, now you're 10, 11 o'clock, and you're like, oh, the bugs are bad. Like, yeah. I'm hot. I'm hungry. And you're like, okay, we're going to go see maybe where those turkeys went or, yeah. or whatever. How do you, without seeing the turkey strutting, like how are you identifying one of those strut zones? That's a good question. I mean, so here's you what gotta we do. Here's, here's yeah, what we you do. Gotta, you got you to see them, but well, here's what we've done. Usually, so we'll, you try to catch them off the fly down, right? And then if that doesn't work and you're trying to just run and gun, then we're looking for those spots that we, you know, you find some elevation, you, you, put, you pin them on a map, and we'll just like kind of walk towards it, check it out, and call, you know, every 100 yards or so as we go, see if we can strike something up. But like, usually it starts with us like we talked about for deer hunting look at the topo map and look like what maybe would have something and then you just got to go check it out at least yeah. that's how we've done it you find them zones though like you know like when we've been walking down the two tracks or whatever them sand blows and stuff yeah you'll find the figure eights where they've been strutting yeah. and stuff we'll you see know, wing drags wings, in the dirt you know, dragging their wings and everything you know big tracks you know and that's where you know that's what we always look for yep you know? exactly and you'll just post up. Usually it's, like, kind of sandy and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's usually, you know, like a lot of sand blow areas like yeah. that, you know, they like. I don't, I don't know why. No. I, I'm a pretty simpleton turkey hunter, I think, and I've, just, I've always had a little bit of success with I don't feel like turkeys can spend any amount of time in any area without just ripping it up. They're, like, constantly eat, pulling at the ground and eating bugs and this and that. I mean, they never stop. 
So I've just had good luck walking through the timber and finding where Scratchings. it's like Scratching. this is pretty yeah, obvious. Yeah, there's some some turkeys in here. This will be my start. This is my starting point, right? Yeah. So from that, from your your starting point, is that where you're? I guess how are you approaching that? So are you saying, okay, I think that this is where I'm going to set up, and I think they're going to roost. Are you coming back for them to come back to roost? Are you are you you know going to watch that area? Are you setting up a cell cam so you can just know <laughs> exactly? Well, I haven't turkey hunted since I got cell cams, <laughs> but I could see doing that, uh, putting them on a field. But what I what I have done is I've taken cameras and put them on time lapse on a field, and I'll have them watch that field, and then a couple days before the season, I'll go see. I'll pull that, and I'll look, and I can see, oh, yeah, every morning here's exactly where they're coming out of the field, you know. And the couple times that I've used that tactic, I just went in and sat up on where that I saw that. And, sure, I mean, they're pretty much like clockwork until they get screwed mm -hmm. up, right? Yeah. Yeah. If they're left alone, they won't the, – where they want to come down in the morning and do their strutting and hanging out, that it's not too far from where they are, right? Right. So you can try to get in on where they're coming down or kind of know where they're going and intercept at any point. It get the sun comes up pretty early that time of year. You got to get out there pretty damn early. That doesn't coexist real well with late nights. So I like a spot that I could get to kind of easy. And if it's like the field edge, because I know that's kind of where their their destination. I'm not going to try to get in and tight on them and mess have a one bird halfway and screw that up. I'd just rather be where I feel like they're coming. And I, yeah, I've used trail cameras on time lapse to watch pieces of field. And you can see a pattern, and as long as nobody's mm -hmm. got in there ahead of you, you know, that probably won't be. Well, I, I imagine there's a lot of places on public land that aren't getting screwed up by, by pressure. But obviously, if you have a private field, like, yeah, you, you can kind of make that your baby. And until you go in there and educate them, they're, they'll stay on kind of the same pattern. At least I've seen that. And so then how close are you guys getting to these birds on the roost? 100 yards, maybe. Sometimes closer. Sometimes I've walked right under them and not even known it. And, like, <laughs> yeah. you look up and then you just see them, like, Die. they're, like, really stiff and sleep. And it's like, holy mm -hmm. cow, they're right up there. So or they take off and make you just shit your pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably no, 100 yards, would you say? I like hunting turkeys on a roost. Uh, you know exactly where they are. They're gobbling on the tree. But you put them to bed the night before, which right, is kind of right? fun. You're super yeah. excited about it. But like I was explaining to James on the truck right up here, if you take a clock and set it on this table, and if this is the tree, and you put that right in the Not middle of the clock. Not a digital clock, by yeah, the way. Right? So you got, my first question. You're imagining this clock around, and you got the tree in the middle. We'll say the turkey's rest, roosting in there. And you pick one of the spots on the clock, right? A lot of people will say those turkeys are going to fly down away from the sun because they don't want to see – the sunlight that they're flying into, they're going to they're gonna fly away from it. You can take that or leave it. But think of your percentage of that turkey actually flying down in your direction or the other turkeys that it's following down in that same direction. A lot of people are very successful with hunting turkeys off the roost. I think it's... We do. It's we start that way every time. We will start yeah. that way every time. But it's also, it can be a very much hit or miss. Like your percentages of those turkeys actually flying down your way and coming your way, it's, it's very, it's very minimal. Yeah. yeah. So... We'll start there first because you know where the it's turkeys fun. right are. It's and, really exciting you when, you hear, right on them, when you hear them in the roost just going off in the morning. You can hear them like setting each other off down a ridge yeah. or something. Like that's a cool time, but it's what happens after that's like that's more fun. So, or, or right above you. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> uh, Sometimes I'll get a, a flock. So there'll be four hens, five hens, and three or four gobblers. And one is a boss gobbler, and the other gobbler is kind of. 
they mm -hmm. say, and you think you could call one of those over to you, but they will not. They will not honor that call. Do you ever run into that? Because I think that's even. Yeah. There. Oh yeah. Because insubordinates will not run over there either and check it out. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. clock in and yeah, 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 yeah. Never call them other toms into my shooting area. Yeah, so Frank, I think we'll get into this for for you because I was gonna ask you guys like, so how much do you think like uh, calling comes into it, hunting them off the roost versus not. I think not me. When I'm doing it, it might just be hurting me out there. You know, <laughs> it might just be better not doing anything and just waiting for luck. Because this is kind of like like to your point over here with the question of um, you know getting these birds hung up or not getting them to come in, not being able to you know you'll get answers but you can't you can't get them to to commit. Um, Kevin, to your point with like yeah, it does it's early, right? Frank, I've learned. He's not an early riser. He, he's not trying to roost these birds or whatever. He's confident enough in his calling to say, we'll just get out there gray light or so. We'll, we'll, we'll let the woods tell us what we need to do. I like that you approach. Know, I like you know? it. But he can call. So that's where like, my learning has, has been, like learning how to call and, and do this. And for, for you, when we go out there in the gray light yeah. and we're standing there at the truck or whatever and you're doing your – you know, do the air horn in the morning, but you hit them with a couple calls or, or, or whatever. Like, how are you approaching the woods like at that time where you're saying there should be turkeys over here? Yeah. But, and, you know, and, and I listen for them too, you know. I mean, I usually wait till I hear one, you know. And if I, get, if I don't get a gobble, you know, I mean, on their own, then I'll do something, you know. But it isn't very much usually then. But what I've found is, like you guys, you know, when you hunt them off the roost, it seems like in the morning, Man, if they don't fly down to you, they're going chance, the other yeah, you're, yep. they're going somewhere totally. else with those hens. You know what I mean? So you're wasting your time is what you're doing sometimes there, you know, but that's part of the hunt, you know. But what I find is later in the, later in the day, I'll go back to those areas and I'll have more success that way, yep. you know, by, by doing a sequence of calls or whatever. You know, because the, the hens are leave, they're leaving the hens, you know, and then they're, the gobblers are looking around, you know. And they're more susceptible, I think, you know, midday. I, hunt, I like to hunt 11 to, to 2 or whatever, you know, and thinking that's, that's a prime time right there to call a bird and kill a bird, you know. But we found since we've been bow hunting them, these guys like to set the decoys up a little close to the tent, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you know, hear the chair there, you know. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, when, you know, when we've got a spot where these birds like to fly down to, don't they? Mm -hmm. And when you got uh, your decoys out there and everything and you, you don't give them a lot, you know. The last one, we were sitting in the tent last year and, and uh, we're I sitting, think I made you know, one call. Yeah, but he's, you know, I said, do you want me to, do you want me to call? And he looks at me and he goes, well, I'd kind of like to do it. <laughs> I said, go for it. And he made one boy. call and like, here they come. I mean, they were like flying down around us and everything and running up to the decoy and stuff. I'm filming, you know, and then all of a sudden it was whap, you know, he shoots his turkey. You know, we're high-fiving in there and stuff, you know, and all of a sudden 
turkey gets up and takes off running. I'm going, go after him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but we got him. It was, it was, but it was really crazy there for a little while. Yeah, the video. You <laughs> see Adam run into the woods. <laughs> Then all of a sudden over here, there's a t- you see a turkey go running, and then all of a sudden you see Adam run across. <laughs> yeah. That's some good shit. Yeah. It was. That's hilarious. It's not the first time that's happened. No. <laughs> you, you, you will end up chasing a turkey or two yeah. and yeah. bow hunting, for sure. Being in the woods, uh, turkey hunting in the spring is the most audible enjoyable that the forest will be like all mm-hmm. year with. Like when they come up off the roost, and they start lighting the woods up, and then all the other birds mm-hmm. and the frogs and stuff that's going on is like, man, somebody should record that shit. And for grown ass men, have that next to your bed, right. you know, yeah. that plays yeah. that. I don't want to hear waterfalls. I want to hear some gobbles uh, in the distance, you know. And then maybe they're coming closer to me because that that's the coolest thing when you get a bird that you know it's moving in your direction. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh shit, I wish deer did this, you yeah. know, like told me they're coming my way. Man, that'd be Let's great, but closer. they don't. But turkeys do, and for that reason, they are so fun to hunt. Oh, yeah. But we, what was it, two years ago that you shot the one there? Yeah. Same spot? We were going into this area. We hunted a morning. I called a bird in for our other buddy. He killed it behind his brother's house. And that was the morning I. We set up under, directly underneath. Underneath well, the I birds, had, Yeah, <laughs> roosted some birds, and I put it on. I'm like, I think they're about 100 yards that way. So then Adam and I are, and we're walking in I, in the dark and I didn't want to like look at my maps. I'm like, man, we're, we're close. Like we need, and then I looked and I was like, oh shit, we're like too close. <laughs> so we backed up and then set up the tent and then they're, they're like, I'm like, he's gobbling. Like I couldn't even tell which way it was because it was so right close. above us. <laughs> and my tent, and that was during so that was it was three seasons ago because yeah. it was COVID. Right. So I was that, outside. Of the oh, tent. He was outside of the tent, and then we, <laughs> then we did kill the birds. We had two tents. Adam was filming in one. I was sitting in one. <laughs> Ernie was on a log behind me, and then ten yards behind him was was uh, well, Frank. I was or, on the same log. Or, okay. okay. We we go into this spot though because he, them guys blew up in the morning. So yeah. we go over to this other area, and we're walking in there. You know, four of us. You know, walking in with this gear and stuff. And all of a sudden, the turkeys are all standing right there, you know. And then they start moving off. Yeah. And I just get down, you know. You know, so they all get down. And then these guys are bummed out. Oh, well, I was pissed. Yeah. He's oh, the turkeys. <laughs> we spooked them. Well, we blew it again, you know, and all this, you know. And I said, just, just, just calm down a minute, you know. So, let the turkeys walk. They didn't run or anything, really, you know. So, we walk in there. Set the tents up, sent the decoys up. How many cameras did we have out? A lot. <laughs> Put a all lot. these cameras seven. out. Six, seven, seven. These guys are in the tents, you know, one's filming, the other's going to shoot. Me and Ernie get back by this log, you know, and I lean up against this log, and then Ernie still ways away from me, you know, over the six feet, of course. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, you know, I start, I start calling. I do a few sequences, you know. And then all of a sudden I hear a, a hand yelp, you know. And then I hear something, though, and the biggest fox squirrel you've ever seen in your life goes down the log, and Ernie's head is right up against the log. This sucker was on the back of his head, went by him. And I'm going, I'm looking at this thing. It looked like a house cat, you know? And, and I'm going, oh, my God, he's going to jump up or something, you know? And, and he didn't, and the, and the squirrel run off. Next thing you know, I hear a hen yelp again. And just down from Ernie, I hear these turkeys coming. 
three times went over the log right there, just right next to them. And they went, they split our cameras, run up to the decoys, didn't they? And I mean, they were all <laughs> out there in That's front. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then wild man here. Yeah. Let her in. Yeah. <laughs> Those three nice times come in. And we had the Jake decoy with the, um, the was the bedded hen, wasn't it? Yeah. Was we, we do that. And, Dangerous uh, combo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good combo. And it was to the point where I'm like, normally Adam's in the tent. What? So, like, one on the left, one on the right, whatever, like, picking. I'm like, I don't know which one he's uh, he's on. got on camera. <laughs> and so, and then they're just, the two of them are just, like, pecking at the, at the decoy. <laughs> like, and so they're all straight. I end up, I was drawn back for, like, over a minute. And I'm just sitting there holding it and i was like oh one on the left he's got a better shot no one on the right and then finally i shot and i you know cut half of his neck off and then <laughs> he ran over and we were close to a residential area you know <laughs> mm-hmm. so i didn't want close to, enough for the turkey to make it there well you wouldn't want him running up the hill you know <laughs> no but so i'm like so my secondary arrow was a was a uh, like a shred head yeah and it actually worked out pretty cool because I shoot six veins, like the big five-inch mm-hmm. fluorescent green veins. Six of them? Six of yeah. them. Wait, and you're uh, shooting a compound? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And so... This is specific for your turkey hunting arrow? Just my turkey okay. arrow. Okay. Were you... Were you <laughs> just was it a big head, broad head? Yeah, so I was shooting uh, the Magnus bull heads. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so that first shot... It was just off a little bit, and it ended up, that turkey was, it ended up being like 25 pounds. Yeah, just a big bird. Just a duke. Sweet. And it, the blade slid its neck, but it broke the blade off. And so it didn't cut his head off. Right. But then it ran out, and I'm like, shit. So I knocked my secondary arrow. <laughs> As anyone would say. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I had to get off the stool and lean out. And the angle of it, Adam's tent was, like, behind me. And so the video, like, you can see it looks like a green golf ball. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke. Smoke at the second That's shot. awesome. Yeah. That's but, really cool. But in the film, you could actually, he was dying. Like, you can <laughs> yeah. see the blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but I think one of the things about that hunt in particular, and one thing Frank does really well is, like, the, like, staying calm and, like, the soft calling. Because mm. I think... Just like, like with anything, like you see a deer, like kind of like get down, like oh he's right there. Like I think we kind of overthink it, and especially with turkeys, like you hear one and you're like, oh my god, I got to call to him, I got to freaking, you know, I got to give him everything I got, you know. And if he's not answering, then he's not interested. But I don't think that's really like how you view it, right? No, no. Well, you you've been around me long enough to know they haven't. Come on, I I, I you know I, I go into it. You know I kind of test the water with them. You know what I mean? If if the bird's answering me good, I'll I'll keep calling. You know, but if he's if he's kind of reluctant, sometimes I'll just hesitate for a while. You know, it's almost like out calling. Like you gotta yeah, you gotta yeah. you gotta bring up their temperature a little bit. Yeah. But I find the best hunts. I went out behind my house a couple of years ago. I probably got out there, you know. It was well after gray light, you know. <laughs> and in your underwear. Yeah. yeah. No, I had I had the camel on, <laughs> but I got this favorite pine tree. We've killed a lot of birds by this, so I get out there and I'm by myself, no decoys or nothing. I get out there and nothing's going on, you know. Heard these birds gobble way off in the morning, you know. Nothing. So, it says time to take a nap, you know. So I laid down underneath <laughs> my tree. I woke up, sun was shining on me, you know, and it was about, about 12 o'clock, looked at, I said, it's time to kill a turkey, you know. 
I ain't kidding you. It was about three calls, and here they come. Come running right in. I end up gone in the one, you know, but it was like, yeah, pick him up, go up to the house, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it was like, you know, that's, you know, sometimes that's how it works out, you know, that's the best time, you know. You might have to take that little, you know, time to relax, yeah, that's you know. That's the best sleep you've ever had. It was great. I mean, I, you know, I just, oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, that's the most. You're right about peaceful. that. Pretty peaceful. Uh, it is. That's what's really nice about turkey hunting, too. And I'll say for getting kids and uh, even people into hunting, you know, later on set adults, but specifically kids because they get cold easy. They're not that durable yet. Taking them out spring and turkey hunting is a great way to bring bring kids into hunting. So I've seen you guys kill turkeys with a bow, mm-hmm. and I think killing them with a bow, uh, almost you kind of almost have to decoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, but where are you guys at with, like, decoying turkeys? Because um, for years, Frank was like, we're not using decoys. It just spooks the birds. Like, you can call them a little bit easier. Yeah, that was because of the, the quality yeah, of Quality is very different. Yeah. Some of that stuff now is super. But I've had scenarios where I feel like my decoys kind of screwed me. Oh, yeah. Oh. If yeah. they can see them from a long enough distance, They'll and they come up. in real patiently, and they're like, and I don't think think I don't think so. Jerk off! That thing hasn't moved in thirty right. minutes. Yeah. I've been standing here watching it. It's not moving. I get it. Well, how many times have you had this happen? You got the deke setting out in front of you. Birds are coming from the other way. Gobbling, gobbling, gobbling. All of a sudden, he's fifty yards from the decoy and he stops and he starts he's, strutting. Yep. And he doesn't come any closer. Nope. Yeah, you he wants. I mean, to you can't get that bird in come, come any closer. Nope. Yeah, you know? aim high, play the wind a little bit at that yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you put him five feet in front of the blind. <laughs> That's why these guys. You know, I mean, I, I think it's too tight myself. You know, but I mean, they, they're pretty successful. Our success rate's been pretty. Yeah, high. it's been pretty good. Yeah. We uh, we will we do a lot of run run and gun style in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And so often that means you're walking, you're calling, trying to locate, and then try to figure out a way, especially during that hot time that you you mentioned, Frank. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you just don't have time to throw. uh, Like you hear a goblin, it's like, oh, it's time to go. And so we're like, I would say like 50-50 depending. Uh, You know, we we were working real hard to get me. Our goal was to get a recurve kill without a blind Mm -hmm. run and gun. And we were so close. We got real close, but we kept having the, the hard part is the drawback, right? Because you can draw right. in there behind with your compound, hold, wait for him to come out and, right. you know, fire off a shot. But with like a recurve, it's like, well, you know, let it go right away. So I, I would say, I don't know, would you agree, Jared, about half the time? Oops. I would say in the morning, I'm more susceptible to using decoys. I like to be able to have a little flock out there so that when the, all, all these turkeys are flying down, you know, they can see something. I've had it where... All you, my, my primary setup is a half strut Jake with a lone like breeder hen where she's kind of like laying down a little bit, getting the ready back to get ends kind of, yeah. yeah. I'll use those two and I will face them pretty, if I'm hunting with a bow, I'll, I'll face the decoys directly at me. Cause when a Tom's coming in, he's going to come around and face the front side of your male decoy if you're using one. So if you have that, if you have the decoys facing to you or kind of quartering two on either side, they're going to come and turn. And have their fan sticking right to you, and that's you where you can your, draw right there. You get your target, right? But yeah. I don't, I don't use that when we're out running, gunning. Like I just, I'll I throw a hen in. Usually, I'll have like a hen with or something. Sometimes, right? We'll, yeah. But mo- most of the time, if you get a, if you get a time to gobble off while you're running, gunning, you've got sometimes seconds before he's, right. he oh, could yeah. be running yeah. right in. Yeah. yeah. You never know. Um, yeah. Other than that, no. Have you guys ever shot your own decoy? Uh, close. <laughs> no. Shotgun or bow? Bow. bow. <laughs> I did just to see how it would penetrate. Yeah. 
and to see if my sight was on. Be, be honest was it? with you. Me too. Yes. Brand new avian. That wasn't the reason really? you <laughs> shot yours. So. It went no. through the turkey yeah. and into the decoy. Uh, <laughs> but, you know. You hate that. These, know your target and what's beyond. That's yeah, right. Of That's <laughs> 101 stuff. Yep. These guys have, have had more turkeys spin the decoy on the stake. You know what I mean? He gets right up there and he's chest bumping him and spinning him mm-hmm. around, you know. And then all of a sudden, thud. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, he shoots one and the, and the arrow was in the decoy through the turkey. Turkey took off running, you know. <laughs> Arrow's still here. At least you know where your arrow is. That's yeah, right. you, good backdrop. You're going to have to look, look around yeah. for it. But if it's inflatable, you're going to need some of that uh, yeah. that oh. uh, tire filler stuff. To yeah, we tried that. I tried, tried that. Did that work all right? tried a moxie. Um, no. it, it worked for one season. One season. One season. Yeah. Okay, all right. No, we yeah. retired him this yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. He, they, you can turn it. You fill him with foam, and I've used him for, for targets. targets. Yeah. yeah. So what about calling? That's obviously a huge thing. We've we've touched on it a little bit, but let's get maybe a little bit specific about uh, that, and then we've got a little list of TAC uh, things to run through, too. I, I, whatever else we need to mention about turkey hunting, but I feel like the calling thing is really important, right? So, like, what what are you you're attempting to do, communicate with the bird to entice him to come your direction, right? Well, I, I guess I just try to sound as much as like a hen as I can, you know. But And I found over the years that I, I have a tendency to, to go to my friction calls. I was going to ask you because there's yeah. quite a few. What is there three or more different types of turkey well, calls? I, I use slates in in a lot of box calls and stuff like that. I, I still use the diaphragms, but you know, I, I I have a thing that I do, and Adam's been with me enough times to, you know, like if we go into an area and we get a, maybe heard a bird gobble or something, and we'll do some calling, you know, and we'll sit around for an hour or so, and then if nothing happens, I give them. What do they that call top it? shelf, the 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 ball busters rhapsody on there, you know. I mean, I get every call I got out. Man. Yeah, and that's and, just and I start banging on them. I mean, I'll 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 start cackling, cutting, you know, box calls, gobbling, everything else. Do it for what ten minutes or so? Shut up. Nothing. <laughs> they can't stand it. I'm not lying. There'll be one over there somewhere, and all of a sudden. What was that? Yeah. What, what's going on? Where'd they go? You know? Are you trying to mimic like a flock by doing all just, that? Just a crazy man. Just a crazy breathe you know, maybe. I'm, I'm just saying. That's just know, crazy Frank over yeah, there. Yeah, because you know what? And all of a sudden, he can't stand anymore, can he? Yeah. He'll cut loose. And I'll let him go. I'll let him gobble again, you know? Pretty soon. Got to start gobbling a little more, a little more. Then I might give him a little bit of the old slate, you know, or something like that. It's a little teaser. Oh, yeah. yeah. Then, then he goes, oh, yeah. yeah. She's over there. She's you know, ready. Know yeah. Yep. And they'll come in how many times, man? It's like, you know, it's really weird, you know. But You're I, describing uh. Jared in high school. I knew him. And it's like, man, get out of his way. Hot to trot. Hot to trot, fellas. But, you, you know, it's like anything, you, anything when you're using a call for an animal or deer call or, or elk or whatever. You just have to more or less listen to what that animal's doing too, you know, and sometimes they're just not going to come. It just ain't going to happen, you know. Or what we found too in the last uh, probably 10 years, <coughs> these birds are coming in quiet now. Mm-hmm. They, won't, they, won't, they won't say a word. We've, we've had birds gobbling over here. All of a sudden that one came through the field, you know, and he comes strutting across this field, never said a word, you know. He came right to the decoy, you know, from 200 yards away. But... And then we had birds come in behind us the same day, you know, quiet. And, and I think predators, I think, or something like that, or pressure, you know. But I think that goes back to your point where you're not calling in 
like these subordinate birds or it becomes a, a little bit more difficult. Um, it's a little bit easier, I think, like they're saying later in the afternoon with these strut zones and finding these birds like after they've kind of already broke up because those subordinate birds like that the one i pinned to the decoy what he's talking about there but the one that came in quiet these birds that come in quiet they're used to getting their asses kicked by that that boss gobbler and so when he's around or when they're together you know that's what that's what's hanging them up but once you get them to spread out and it's funny we were talking about it on the way up here like what a lot of guys do in the fall is they'll run a dog out there and bust up a flock mm-hmm. and then come back in yep. and, and and kind of round them back up and, and but, kiki kiki run. Run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's what happens like in the afternoons these birds are kind of all spread, spread out and that's where you get you know we've it seems like you know we're turkey hunting so we think that we're doing like a good thing, like we're in the right spot. But you go to some of these areas, you get out of the truck, you walk out there, and how many times that one o'clock noon, like you get out of the truck, and then all of a sudden you just hear, you just hear a goblin. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, but you just went to this big spot, and it's you know sunny out, like these birds. You went to an area where you think there's going to be turkeys, and you know they're trying to find their their next girlfriend, right? They're they're out there, and what I was talking about, where I think we tend to in the morning especially off the roost and i think maybe that's a good thing to talk about is like timing but where you need to know when they're in the tree when they've hit the ground and then how much to call because when they're there's a bunch of turkeys in the trees and they're all gobbling it sounds like one turkey is just going crazy but like Mm -hmm. you said it's these turkeys it's multiple birds up there that are gobbling and if you're you know giving them too much that's when they fly down and just go the other way they don't want any part of that or i mean i've had it where one of the best like learning experiences for me was like you said the boss tom but like that boss hen like i've Mm -hmm. been calling for other other people you know and you're out there you know trying to call these birds over here and then you get one of these hens that's pissed off well you can get them to bring the whole flock over there but sometimes you just but i just mimic what she's doing like Mm -hmm. every time she's spitting and you know all that stuff I'm just trying to do what she's doing. I, don't, I have no idea how to speak turkey, but I'm just doing what she does just to kind of make her mad. And a lot of times that just, you know, she, she wants, just like these, these toms do, they, they get pissed and they want to come over and give you the business. Do you ever have Jake's come and beat up a tom in front of your set? Do you ever have a couple of Jake's show up and do that? You ever see that? We'll just kill them. Yeah. Like, I, 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 mean, I like that. I, I mean, like, I've never been on a turkey hunt where I'm like, yeah, that one's too small. Oh, like, me no, either. No, no. Jake's are in play. Yep. This guy, this guy lets arrows go, believe me. Yeah. You don't fool around. I like that about you, by the way. Yeah. Like, no hesitation. No, like, you don't want that. No, no, no like, oh, man, a Jake. Like, nope, he's no, dead. He, well, he even shot a bearded hen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's in play. Yeah. yeah. I didn't well, – in my defense, I didn't even know that they existed. And it was yeah. a, it was literally the last day of season I called in these turkeys. And I was like, man, that turkey's not very big. It was big, ringing in two. But it's got, it's got like a six-inch beard, and that's like <laughs> right there. It's like one in the hand or there's a big, bigger one over there. I'm like, this one's dead. Yep. <laughs> like dead. Yep. So – but the bearded right. hen is a great bar name if like for like a certain very specific type of bar. <laughs> you know. There it is. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I was thinking about it for a while, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not my kind of bar. Just for that. <laughs> or it is, whatever. Either way. I would say just don't call too much. I feel yeah. like a lot of turkey hunters will just call too much. Yeah. I've called too much in my life. <laughs> 
And I've had to warn Before. you about that. Like, like, Jimmy? Shut up, man. I'm like, trust me on this. This is going to be a good one. Settle it. <laughs> you know? Okay. Just going to town. This is the one that's really going to drive the nail in the coffin. <laughs> you know, you kind of <laughs> really I like move is, the hands around a lot. When it comes to calling, by the way, I like it. If you're showing somebody and they're a turkey hunter, they still do this. Yep. Even though yep. they don't need to direct oh, it, oh, but yeah. they're like, show me a call. It's like, it's like, you don't need to do that. You're just hiding your mouth at this point. You're not tricking me where the sound's coming from, you know. That's too funny. Well, I'm thinking about uh, brined, big brined turkey breast smoked and then sliced up and make a sandwich out of it now that we're talking about this. that People are missing out. They're sleeping on how good wild turkey oh, is if you man. do the right stuff with it, man. It's incredible table fare. Mm. Well, we do... We do uh, the the breast, but we deep fry them. Oh, we'll, we'll, but we cut them. You know, we we cut them up in chunks, and then you know, like you do fish, like a nugget them. turkey. Oh, nugget. Oh, do you man. tenderize them at all? No, no, right here. You don't take the meat hammer out. <laughs> <laughs> tenderize them like <laughs> right in between the molars. <laughs> <laughs> what about the legs? Is anybody keeping turkey legs? Well, yeah, yeah. Slow cooking. A lot of people put those to waste, and yeah. it's we, we've cooked oh. them. Yeah, put it's, them in a, like a crock oven pot. bag. Yeah, and, yeah. 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 Cooking, totally. Cooking bag is about the only way you can really, you know, like a sous vide. All, all, that's, all those things yeah, are sticking out. That's a lot of yeah. You got a, a lot of business there. A crock pot. If you do it in a crock pot, you just take the whole leg or leg quarter, you put it in a crock pot, and you just cook that thing down, and then you can uh, pull it apart. Right. And then what you got to do is you pull it apart, and you'll have like one big pile of meat and one big pile of unedible stuff mm-hmm. yeah and then you take all that meat and i'll usually throw it back in the pan and you can make sandwiches out of that it, that mm. is, that dark meat is it, oh yeah uh, that's, that's the money good in the stuff. bank for me good broth it'll make good broth too yeah yeah even the feet have you ever done the feet before mm. makes fantastic broth it's got more the collagen in it How yeah you turkey feet you kick you've never done that them. i have a bag of chicken feet in my fridge right yeah, now yeah, that'll yeah. make broth out of it. it's great it actually it does make great soup I got a garage full of dried ones if he can do that. Yeah, I got a bunch of, I got a bunch of them, too. Rehydrate. The, the butcher's always like, you sure you want all these feet? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. It's good soup, man. Yeah, yeah, don't ask any questions. <laughs> Anybody have any turkey hunting questions that before we maybe move on? Is there anything, Frank, is there anything that we missed, maybe pertinent information? I don't think so. I just think that, you know, you know you don't have to be a championship caller to, to call a bird in, though. I mean, you, obviously you want to have the right cadence, you know, on your calls and stuff. But uh, I've heard some pretty shitty calls out there that called in birds, you know what I mean? I've heard some and pretty shitty calls. That's me right here. Show this in, buddy. Yeah, that's right. I'll show you that. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I just feel like, say, just about anybody could do it if you just put, put a little bit of time in, you know, and, and just – you got to pay attention to birds, you know, what they're, what they're doing, and uh, just take your time, you know. Be, be, you don't have to be rushed about it, you know, because what, I, what did I always tell you? Adam says, where do them birds go? I said, they're just out there going, doing turkey stuff, you know. That's what they do. You know, they'll go over here and do turkey stuff, and then they'll go over there, you know. <laughs> And then they're going to come over here and you're going to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> While they're doing turkey stuff. Yeah. Words of wisdom from yeah. Frank over here. <laughs> that, that I like a, that. That's a good point. That's to what you said too, Jared. Overcalling. You get all excited when you hear a thing. You want to just engage and go hard, and especially younger guys, I'm sure, is, you know. And, and then pay attention to the – pay attention to movement because there's so many of them that come in now silent. I mean, I've sat there and I know you guys have probably done it too call for an hour you know and you're you get impatient you know and you're thinking man my ass hurts you know yeah. i gotta get up first thing i do is get up on my knees and you hear 
Yeah. There, they go. there he goes, you know. I mean, he was right there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just it takes, it takes patience, you know, and just, just being in the woods. Just have fun and don't yeah. forget the breakfast pizza. Oh, yeah, you got to have breakfast pizza. Well, and, and you got to remember, I always tell Jared, you got to scent spray your, all your mm-hmm. decoys because they'll We're coming they'll out with a out. turkey scent spray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. scent elimination turkey spray. Turkey and heat. Mm-hmm. They're very, yeah, turkey and heat is going to be a yeah. game changer right. for the industry. Yeah. Maybe a saw electronic thing that heats it up. Yeah, that's right. You remember those things you light the. the yeah, there we go. Incense. Incense. Yeah, we used yeah. to have those. Yeah. No, we didn't. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the bucket. My uncle would put. toss me in that trash can. Sorry, I did. <laughs> I said we. <laughs> the uh, turkey stuff and the strut zone could both be good T-shirts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Turkey stuff. I like that. I like that too. And the strut <laughs> Welcome zone. Welcome to the strut zone. Welcome yeah. to the strut zone. <laughs> <laughs> Only one of us is leaving uh, that's happy. Right. That's right. That's right. I like that. Uh, what about the bearded hen? The bearded hen. <laughs> it's an old looking like an old looking bar on the front. Yeah. James's face on it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have said it. That's right, yeah, that's right. I don't know what that's for. Uh, well, let's move on to the tech uh, portion of this. I feel like this is really valuable. There's, like, some technical information in here that's really valuable, especially the first question somebody asked was, how much beer do I bring to tack? Yeah. So I thought that we have... We have the right people to answer the question <laughs> on, on board today here. So, so you guys have shot tack. How many, shot yeah. Yeah, maybe how many people in here have, have done the Total Archery Challenge? Okay. How many arrows did you lose? Hey, my boy back there. Only zero, huh? <laughs> Only zero? <laughs> Only zero. So uh, how much beer do you bring? How much you, you got to stash it. So they don't – do they let you even? I don't know. I didn't check. I, I didn't just feel like I had to hide it. We don't shoot on the range. Yeah, neither do we. <laughs> yeah. Drink on the range? Yeah. I mean, we we don't shoot. We, we don't I shoot the We range. don't do shooters on the dr- on the range. <laughs> yeah, you'll bring a few with some road pops. You know, that's hilarious. It, well, it depends on what the weather is. But honestly, the one year that I went, it was uh, maybe a struggle to even get through the whole thing. It was so damn hot. Uh-huh. So it was hot. I earned my. I like the idea of earn a beer, get through your shooting. And then be ready to celebrate aggressively for either uh, that you did great or to bury your sorrows that you did like dog shit. All the, all the fallen soldiers in the trees out yeah, there. That's right. Well, I think that that's maybe like a misconception about the total archery challenge. Is like it's not a it's not a competition. It's not a competition. No. Like, Everything's a competition. <laughs> when a guy when a guy tells me you know the target's eighty yards, you know, and and, and they, they put these orange cones up there, right? And I get up there, you know, and I'm looking at it, you know, and the guy says, well, you got to have your foot on the stake. <laughs> wow. What? I said, watch this. I get over about 10 feet. <laughs> what do you think of that one, bud? <laughs> you, you're the judge or the boss or what, you know? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> My legs ain't that long. <laughs> so, like, the distances that they shoot are, you know, on some of the locals' courses, like 25 yards, and then mm-hmm. like out to like 120. No, oh, yeah, yeah. you got to get that third axis, by the way. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's one of the questions on here. Um, but so, and John is like our resident bow tech. He does all of our stuff for our bows. He builds our own strings, builds arrows. He's super good guy to have. Yeah, nerdy, right. I that's guess, it. when you come to that stuff. But it says like, can I shoot that far? Like so, like an average guy with their you know, 60-pound bow, 28-inch, 29-inch draw. 50 yards feels like a poke. Well, their question is, can they get out, reach out to 100 yards? It all depends on 
So like when I build my bow for tack, like a lot of guys, when they, like they set their peep sight, right? They'll set it at 20. So like when I build my bow for that, I'll set my peep sight at like my 60 yard pin. So I'm adjusting, you know, it might be a little bit of an adjustment for your anchor point and everything. But the other thing too is like, I shoot a smaller scope. I might go to a little bit lighter arrow. You know, if you're, if you really want to go there and shoot the full long distance, you might have to change up some stuff like your normal hunting bow. Most normal hunting bows aren't going to reach out, you know, to a hundred yards in a, you know, 60 pound, like Frank's shooting 50, 54, 54, you know, 80, 80 yards, you're pushing it without doing some major adjustments. That's without skips. Yeah, right. You got to yeah. skip one in there. It still, ca- one, it still uh, counts. You know, it still counts. A skip counts. You know? Yeah. you know, for me, I mean, it's a little different. Like, I'm, I six three, I shoot seventy five pounds normally, and it's not. I can I can shoot out to one hundred and fifty yards without, and I shoot a smaller scope. But you know, it's. it's do you do you adjust uh, where your anchor point is? to to like based on a distance so some guys are like you know walk it down their face a little bit more to get to get so that's, that's what he's saying that's about what moving his peep. okay i see so you so, would, do you move your peep actually you're not just so like when i'm building the bow for tack yeah so when i'm setting it and getting everything ready i'm not doing it i'm not sighting it in at 20 yards with my peep i'm gotcha. doing 60 yards so then i'm getting my peep centered there you can do it at 42 but it's just giving me a little more clearance yeah and it is because if you do it at 20, then when you dial it down to 100, now you're now you're really changing. Right. So, and most we're we're shooting the longer shots. So like, I don't think there's any under 60. You know, maybe 50. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm I'm more comfortable at that range, and then my longer range I'm not dropping out. Interesting. So something to think about what he's saying. If you you know seriously want to do this, it's my advice might almost be to look at picking up a bow that's uh, a year or two old that you can set up specifically for that. to go do this because you don't really want like it's great he knows how to do these things right you can right I, but I, for the general public you know they've got to get somebody to do those services for them and you might not want to be we know a guy by the way moving your peep yeah right <laughs> we do know we do every we all kind of know but we know a few this guy people. just right. send him that way send him yeah. to him <laughs> But, yeah, that for most of us, we can't just go in our garage and move our peep. And I don't think you want to be doing that right before hunting season. So actually setting a bow up to do that event. And, and two, three, four-year-old flagship bows are... Are still awesome bows. Right? They're awesome, and they're very affordable. Right. And it's not bad to have a backup bow set up that you know is just like you could pick it up, it's ready to go. Because if you ever have a, you know, a, a malfunction during season and it costs you days, that kind of sucks, especially right. if you're on a trip. Like, I learned that the hard way. I, I stopped traveling without a, a backup bow, you know, because I had a bow failure. I just got there. I was supposed to be there for five days, and I'm like, well, I'm done, you know? Yeah. Right. So I, I, want I had that. that in Alaska this year. Did uh, you really? Yeah, I oh. was on the, the Dalton Highway going up. Like, you're out five, six hours from anywhere, right? Um, and my, my rest had gotten bumped, so I, I'm – stuck up on a caribou it was a longer shot it was like an 80 yard shot but i'd prep my bow for it kind of that's kind of the deal out there they don't jump it's very manageable shot to, to make and i remember i shot and i look at my arrow sideways <laughs> and in the midair i'm like 
no, you know, you fly and you get to, it's all this work to get there. The funny thing is it comes into 60 yards. I'm like, sweet. I mean, all summer, 80 was like, I would start at 80, right? Yep. 60, this is sweet. Same thing, sideways, sideways, blew it on it. And like, I had to go up to the oil fields to find the right hex wrench that for some reason I didn't have with me. Talk about not being prepared. <laughs> uh, and like, it ruined a shot that like was, should have been a lot easier. I always think like, should I have brought an extra bow? I really should have brought a rifle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> would have made things a lot easier. But the Dalton Highway, it's like five five miles. Both sides of the highway is archery only, and so I, I was just I'm like I'm gonna do the road thing. I had my wife and my daughter sleeping in the truck with me, and so I, I kept it to that. And like that was that was midway through the trip, so it was pretty. Your confidence is like low. After that, I'm like 30 yards and in. I got to figure out a way to get close to him and, and didn't make it happen. So yeah. it happens. But I think, like, that's all well and good, like, for, like, the 100-plus yard shots. But even though there are, like, 120-yard you know, shots, like, the longest shot, right. and there might be, like, one or two other, like, 190-yard shots, but I would say, like, 60 to 80 60 to is eight. probably. So, so, like, when – the first year we went, we didn't have any. I mean, this is the first year was a freaking disaster from my standpoint. But this is well, why yeah. I'm trying to expedite everybody's learning yeah. curve here today because well, if you haven't done this before, he was already up there in Traverse City drink, on a drinking, you know, weekend, right. and then binge. Yeah. I was gonna say, I think it's a binge. Well, yeah, <laughs> drove over to our place to hunt for the day, and, or hunt to shoot for the day, and it was like. He had no idea what it was. Well, I don't. So we saw this total archery challenge, and there it wasn't like all over social media. So it was like, "Hey, do you guys want to do this?" And they went up there for the entire weekend. I came in for Saturday, but it was like, you know, we'll just go out with my hunting bow and we're gonna shoot. Well, the they hadn't streamlined the process. It was long lines, but like one thing is like bring a backpack, bring some water and a granola bar or something, because we were out there thinking like it goes a lot quicker now but i was we were out there for eight hours like one course one course one course yeah, yeah. yeah. One course. we were stuck yeah. at so one. It's I, exhausting shit, we were there i bet you there was what 60 people at one target oh that's yeah. awful yeah. so it's much better than that now moves a lot quicker but you know people are like well how many arrows do i need to bring like i don't really think you if, if you've shot your bow and you're confident like 60 80 yards i think that that's fine that's what you know, when you start to just like uh, that, ought to do it like yeah. that. You know, <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah, Aim high, if, play if, the win. If that's if that's your plan, then bring a lot of arrows, right? <laughs> but if you're if you're confident making a good shot on a you know basketball at 80 yards or something like that, I, I think you're fine. Yeah. And and you well, know, fr Frank can't shoot out to anything past 80 yards, so. Yeah. There's a lot of, oh, that ought to well, do it. Well, then when Chris had, Chris had, my son had the old bear. Oh, yeah. He'd draw back, you know, the ones that were out there like 100 yards, and Ernie's standing behind him and go, you see that limb up there, Chris, above him about 12 feet? He says, aim for that right there. And he'd let it go. You know? It sounded like the cello. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. But you were saying? No, I forgot what I was going to say. But I'm say, like, I think from like a normal hunting bow – like, normal hunting bow. Well, I mean, they're like so. Tack is famous for setting up targets that suck. I mean, 
Yeah, so you like, wouldn't you wouldn't take. You're gonna shot. slap trees, and you know. there's they like the one they had a whole branch in front of the vitals, you know, mm-hmm. yep. or shoot between a crotch at 80 yards, like. So, I would bring a dozen arrows. I mean, I bring a dozen. Yeah, that, that's know. appropriate. And you, when you, but you bring what you bring? You bring one arrow. You bring one arrow. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he was gonna say that. No, I bring a dozen. You only need one. Yeah, <laughs> his day gets over real quick. <laughs> but yeah, so that first year it was kind of crazy. Like you know, we had no idea. I went up. I had my old Hoyt Double XL, but it was pretty much set up for a 3D. Okay. And I mean, it shot good. Like, um, but we've seen all these guys like wearing shorts and t-shirts, you know, and we've seen these guys all dressed up in <laughs> camo, camo, full like, packs on, full packs, Fra- like, frame packs. Yeah. 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 Like what the hell? And then we end up talking, and they're like, oh well, we're going out west, so we're just testing our gear. Mm-hmm. Like. Well, then the next year we were going out west, and we're near those guys. We now. were those guys, and it was actually like so. If you're planning a western hunt and you haven't done one, it was awesome to go out there and do that and test the gear because that's as close as you're going to get, you know, to that scenario. So we went up and we brought all of our gear, tested it. Jet boil in the back country back there. <laughs> well, we were carrying it like. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't make our lunch bag. You want a mountain house? <laughs> okay, I mean, I'm you gotta go. Yeah, gotta yeah. go mountain house. Yeah. And then, well, then we we went drinking. I think it was Friday night, and I think we had got one hour, one hour nap, and then we we had signed up for like the six a.m. bold uh, bold move hill hike. See, I, speaking of hill hike, I always thought that tax should be flipped. I think that you should walk up the mountain. And they chairlift you back down <laughs> with a beer. Yeah, I think that's like you make good. it up to the top. It's a challenge to get up. You shoot all the targets going up. Yeah, and that's what hunting's down. like. You're pretty tired by the time you. Yeah, that would be west. nice. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, like that's a, my little the, two you, cents. You, you should uh, send an email to somebody. <laughs> yeah. I know we shot the knock-on course the last two years, and Dudley likes to really just oh, man. put it to people. So it's like up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean, if you want to really test your shape, and the He's got very technical shots, like off angle, bad footing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually a very good, you know, what test. Was what was that target across the, the valley there? That, the, oh, that was like a ram or something. No, but I mean, what number was that one? Because that's where I went down the road the other way. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll see you boys no, back. That was, <laughs> that was the armadillo uh, at seven. Uh, yeah. yeah. I said, I'm, I'm leaving you guys. I'm going to go back and have a beer. <laughs> so, so from that, like, technical standpoint, the, one of the questions on here is, like, what is third access and, and why is it important, and especially with the total archery challenge thing? Oh, so it's funny. Is I, one of the kids that I work with or works with me, he's like, he shoots on a Wednesday night league, and he's like, yeah, one of the guys was telling me I – the bubble and all that stuff you don't need it i'm like well for a hunting situation you you don't really need it right i mean but i'm like when we go up and shoot tack we're shooting it on these off angles side hills and stuff and there's been a lot of times where like i'd say hey check your bubble right and there's field archers uh you know some of the 3d archer guys they actually use their bubble in a wind, a crosswind situation where they they know as they turn, as they quarter bubble or whatever, or lean the bubble, they know that if they got a crosswind, then they, they know exactly how far over they have to tip it for that arrow to come in. So if you don't have your third axis set, 
for your angles, like a steep downhill or a steep uphill. What is a third axis? So the third axis is your bubble as you're, you tip your boat. So you might have your boat bubble level at a, at a level ground shooting straight, but as you go down, if that isn't tipped right on, the, on your sight bracket, as you go down, that bubble will slide one way, and then as you come up, it's gonna slide the other way. So if you're shooting downhill, and you think your bubble is level, it may be, but it's not correct with your sight, you're gonna shoot off one way, and then as you go up, you're gonna shoot the other way. So they have little brackets that you can use. They can mount it on there, tips of sight up and down. You can, you can try to do it with a string, but you, you know, you gotta have multiple pins or a straight pin, straight up pin, and draw the bow back, tip up, look, and make sure everything is in line, make sure your bubble doesn't move. But on a side tail situation, you know, there's a lot of times where we're sitting there and draw back and you think, you're like, man, I'm straight up, and then look at the bubble and it's, holy cow, I gotta lean all the way back this way. Right. And you wonder why you're shooting three or four, and, you, and then these are on, you know, 60-plus yard shots. Yeah. That's when you're really going to see it. It gets amplified a lot. Yeah. You know, it's like aiming at the moon and one degree off, you're missing. But So is this like, a, like from a hunting standpoint, if you're just hunting whitetails in Michigan, like is third axis a thing that you should be concerned Unless, about? or Not really. I don't think so. In my opinion, I'm, not, I'm no expert, but in my opinion – Unless you can, I mean, you would have to really see it. There's some sites that don't even have third axis. I heard a, a guy say, I never had a problem with third axis until I heard about her. Somebody added it to my yeah, bow. Exactly. Yeah. Put that shit on you know, man, and then everything. Ruin everything. everything. So yeah. now I really got shit. My first two what? <laughs> so, I mean, hunting situation, we're, we're up 17 feet and you're shooting 20 yards. Even if you're off, even if it was off, you're, your kill zone is what 13 inches on a white tail i mean so then as you start to plan for some of these western trips so like and things western like that hunt. like i real i go through like so like my western setup i i like four or five I like a multiple pin i don't want to be messing around with the slider you know say we're elk hunting but i do set it up with a slider and my 60 power, 60 yard pin or my bottom pin is my rover so that way say we i shoot my elk shoot him at 40 yards with my regular setup he runs out well i'm if he stops i'm gonna get another arrow in, and i might have time to range him say he's 88 yards well i don't i wouldn't take that shot you know first but now i want to get another arrow in. so 88 yards i can dial it down to 88 and shoot but we're in mountains we're on bad so at that point i'm gonna have all that stuff dialed in and set up so I mean, like I said, you can buy little leveling brackets. I've taken my old uh, a level, put it in my vise, <laughs> yep. you know, pull it out, and then slide it up and down as long as you keep it flush on there. I mean, it's kind of like the poor man's leveling device. But I mean, you can get even more technical. Technically, you're supposed to have your bow drawn back because as you draw your bow back, things torque. Mm-hmm. You know, the riser might torque a little bit. So if you had like a hooter shooter, you could put it in hooter shooter level drawn back and you could tip it 
But I mean, yeah, maybe that's like another bar. Yeah, <laughs> I like that one too. That might be a bit more attractive bar than the Hooters. Yeah. That one's yeah. got it's right next. Right, right that it's right next to the bearded hat. <laughs> that's right. One group goes to one. One goes to the other. Yeah. Yeah, one has my attention. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> Is there anything else on there? I. Uh, so, uh, you kind of talked about it, like setting up your bow when you're setting up your peep or whatever. But it says when your sight housing drops into your arrow flight like when you're shooting for long distance so, so so like let's say that you're setting up your hunting bow for for tack you're like okay you go out you go to your club or you're at your house you get to you know 70 80 yards and now you've got clearance issues so i mean at that there's not a whole lot i mean crank up your poundage or lighten your arrow setup well the peep was the big thing the right pe- yeah your peep for i learned that the hard way right i had to figure that out the hard way i'm like what do I do here? I've got sight tape that goes to 120, yep. but I'm at 80, and now my fletching is crashing into my housing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do I do here? My Bowtech's like, we're gonna can move we move peep. can we move your peep up a quarter of an inch? Yeah, we did we did that, and then now I'm like familiar with the fact that like if I'm setting a bow up to go do this, I know where that peep's got to be exactly. so that I can like you said set it for 60, not 20. Right, mm-hmm. that will resolve that issue the best of the abilities. Right, yeah. And then real quick, Jack, you can index your fletchings make sure that... Yeah, yeah, you definitely want to index your fletchings so they're not hitting your, your, right. your scope housing. Right. I, know I had a cousin, a buddy of ours, uh, who <laughs> was trying to just see how far he could shoot, wasn't really paying attention to... So he cranks it down. He had one of those uh, spot hog, hog fathers. It's like an expensive, very like bullet site. And so he shoots, and he's like, I hear a bam. The arrow explodes, and it spins the thing. Like, he totally actually shot with the, the front of his arrow, his own housing, right in front of his face. <laughs> like, yeah, ever since then, I, every time I'm, like, measuring, and I'm double measuring any time that you're kind of getting close. Cause yeah, especially because he probably had, like, a, a fallaway rest, but yep. the cable-driven. So when he had it sitting in there, yep, exactly. it was down. And so as he drew back, it came up into the scope, mm-hmm. but didn't know it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that could have been bad. Like, oh, that could yeah. explode your whole body. Oh, yeah. and your hand. Yeah, I mean, and your send stuff to your hand. Yeah. yeah. That happened last year on the practice range attack. You remember we were standing there? Yeah. And that guy was like, it was like, <laughs> and he just like walked away with his head down. Like, yeah, it's, it was a lot of shame. There's a lot of shame in that moment. No, with all those guys in the practice laugh. line, it's kind of scary. It's like, hopefully, no one's judging me if I, yeah. I shoot high and you're kind of looking around to explode your bow. Like, that would be. Rough. And so, like, what is your guys' experience been at tech I, w- I was gonna say maybe uh to summarize we'll go through and uh yeah what's been our experience likes and dislikes and then i think what we'll do is we'll take another quick break and uh then we're, we'll proceed from there but uh i definitely know i'm thinking about something as we're talking about this but we'll start with sure. with you guys generally when we go to tech we're just using our uh just our hunting setups like we're yeah tack set up so there's different different courses for you to shoot at different ranges so there may be 20 targets from 25 to 45 if that's what you're comfortable for and obviously there's the the longer range course if you're you're up for that like the knock-on or like the was it the leopold that was longer um sitka Sitka had a good one i usually shoot the yeti we usually shoot the yeti one it's anywhere from 25 and i think the the yeti on the last shot i think it's like 75 yeah so right it depends too like 
you choose your course based on what your plan is for the year. So yeah. if it's like you're going west, you or like to Alaska. It's different than if it's like, oh, I got just deer hunting and yeah. right. But cause I, I don't know enough to be messing with my boat. I don't have the stuff. Don't have the desire to learn. I don't want to keep bringing it in and out. So I just set it, forget it, go yeah. with what, what works. And I mean, some, and it depends on my bow setup too. I found if I I actually mount my sight closer to my bow. Yeah. I can get a little bit more distance yep. out. Uh, with yeah, I was going to say that too. I didn't mention yeah. that, but yeah, you can bring it in. A so, lot of people, that's kind of a, I, I always, like if you look at my bow, I shoot a Matthews, the new Matthew, well, the V3X, mm-hmm. and I shoot an Excel. Yep. But if you look, my carbon rod is slid as far in yeah. as it will go, and it's cut off. Like I don't extend it out at all because yep. you're just, any little torque, and it's just magnified. Yeah. You know, you see, you know, like Cam Haynes. You look at his, and his is out, you know, and everyone's like, I want to be like Cam. Well, Cam's a freak of nature. Like, yeah, shoots all the time know. and shoot. yeah. So, but if you want to be accurate and more, you know, the most forgiving is what I want. Same. Because, like Frank, like Frank's like, I get fucking excited. <laughs> you know, well, so do I. Like, hopefully everybody gets excited when they're yeah. drawn on a deer. Well, I want to have the most forgiving setup possible because I want to try to kill it. You owe that to the animal. Yep. You know, and it's kind of a fad. Like, people are, got their sight. I did it. Oh, know, yeah. I've been there. Right. And the same thing. So now you're changing, that's changing your, the, the gap in your pins as you're going. Yeah. And then, so yeah, you lose. It shrinks it, right, with the closer. Yeah, yeah. so you're going to have a little more clearance as you bring that in. Yeah. So I don't know what I was, that, what, that was the answer yeah. to the question. Overall good experience. I like attack. it. Yeah. yeah, I guess just to summarize, my, my thought is after doing it for a couple of years, I really like going there, the social aspect of it, the vendors. One of the cooler things that Michigan, Northern Michigan offers uh, throughout the year as a bow hunter. And my, the first time I went there, there's all these people walking around with bows and backpacks and stuff. I'm like, these are my people. Like, <laughs> this is really cool. But I, I learned that I wasn't set up to shoot it. And I decided that I wanted to do it again. So I actually got a bow and set it up to do such. But, you know. There's probably a lot of value in it if you are going to go west that it will uh, be some good practice. But as far as, like, actually making you a better Midwestern deer hunter, uh, it does add value because normally that time of year you probably wouldn't be shooting your bow that much. So there's, like, a good thing that's almost like at the six-month mark halfway uh, through back to the hunting season when now you're picking your bow up and you're shooting and you're just messing with things that you normally wouldn't be messing with. And for me that came at a great level of value but you know if you're just thinking like should i go do this event so that i'm a better deer hunter well it's good that you're doing that but it's also you know there's argument to be had you could be out scouting or doing something different and if you're if you're taking your hunting rig apart to go shoot a competition and then you got to put it all back together you might kind of be hurting yourself a little bit in that aspect so i feel like this was a good conversation for for people here today to decide if it's something they want to participate in uh and, yeah, you could go there with a bow that is set up to only shoot 60 yards and just shoot mm-hmm. the 60-yard targets. And if you want to get a little bit ballsy later in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is so fun shooting those long distances mm-hmm. and watching those arrows the fly. of a long shot is oh, beautiful. Man. It's, it's even fun sitting on that chairlift and watching people yeah. shoot. It really yeah. is fun to see all that. Yeah, <laughs> Look at that, dude. Miss, I, can't, I never get sick of that. They do the allow fly. them, though. You know, I mean, you can, you can move up on the targets, too. Well, yeah, that's the thing too. Like, you know, you don't have to shoot. It a, is there a woman's tee? Yeah, well, it's <laughs> like it's like well, a lot of you know, 
uh, asking for a friend. Older guys too, you <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't. No. But no, they, they, you know, I mean, like I say, it's not. You, you know, you're, you're not going to win the truck or whatever, you know. So I mean, go out there and have fun, you know. They call it a crossbow tee in this industry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> 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 made more sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, just go out and have fun. And even if, like, I've talked with the guys from TAC, they don't want you to, they don't want you to say this or whatever. But like, there's nobody monitoring the practice range. So like, if you didn't get in or whatever, just go up there if it's not too far. Yeah. Make the drive. Check out the vendors. Check out the atmosphere. Shoot the practice range. Mm-hmm. Come to our party. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, these guys throw a party every year. It's <laughs> worth going to. It's uh. It's unsanctioned. But I was gonna, I'm going to guess there's more it. of those stories that you've been telling that maybe aren't. Yeah. 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 They're not. Uh, it's ready, a great time. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break if we could. Uh, let's say, let's reconvene here at uh, 440. And then I'm going to ship you guys off and bring you guys up. And we'll talk a little bit about the Deer Camp Project. And then we'll get some cold beers cracked and we'll kind of get into that. So. All right.